If you could tell one last story, if you had no more chances to tell any stories ever again, what would that last story be for you? Oh my, that's a scary one. So tough. Do people have answers to this? Yeah, I struggled with this one too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a good question. I struggle with this question too. Um, It's so final. Man, that is, I hate that question. I hate, you I hate, hate his favorite I question. I hate his favorite question. <laughs> From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. Listen, if you're a new listener, this episode is a great starting point. And if you're a regular, then you're in for a real treat. After more than 50 interviews, one of my favorite moments is still my final question in these conversations. Each of my guests is a storyteller in some way. So this question, it always seems to get them. And I kind of catch them off guard, even when they know it's coming. But I think it's more than just that. See, after all these interviews, one thing that I've come to really kind of realize is that our humanity is tied to our storytelling. See, from the earliest dawn of humankind, we've used story for survival and for connection. It's in us. And with that in mind, can we really separate our storytelling from our existence as humans? I wanted to go back to each episode over this last year and listen to every person's answer to this question. I think it says a lot about each of them, from sharing faith to telling a family story, from the simple to the complex. When I ask, if you could only tell one last story, what would that story be? I am genuinely intrigued and on the edge of my seat for every single answer. And I hope you feel the same way. Listen to these next two episodes of Last Stories and think about what you would want your last story to be. I hope it's a little inspirational and kind of get you thinking here at the end of the year. Without further ado, here are the last stories of our 54 guests of the Storytellers Network, class of 2018. If you could tell one last story, if you had no more chances to tell any stories ever again, what would that last story be for you? Oh my, that's a scary one. Um, (laughs) A last story. Last story. I think I'd like to to tell that last story just to be that that I chose my own path. That um, uh, there was there was no blueprint for what I achieved, and that I um, was able to um, figure out a way to help hundreds of thousands of people along the way, and I had some fun doing it. That's a great, a great story to end on. If you could tell one last story, what would it be? It would definitely be like a personal story about my kids. I did. That's where my heart is. Like I, they got older and now I don't write about them anymore. I throw in little bits. Like I'll put, there's stuff in the book about them in an anecdotal way. Cause I spent a lot of time with them, <laughs> but, um, you know, they, that is really where my heart lies. And so 
and and it's just it's endless entertainment. Like I don't know what I did before I had these people, but they're so big now. I try not to like I'm very conscious of them as people and adults to be. And so I'm very conscious not to share their stories as much as I share my own in response to them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it would probably be a family story that no one would ever read and it would still be worth writing. Like, you know, it's, that's something you get to, like, once you get more successful at something, you start feeling pressure to write what people want. And I think like, you know, you have to write this book cause that's what's selling right now. Or you have to focus, do this podcast because that's what people want to hear according to some other successful podcasts. And I think it's really important to um, not do that, which is a privilege, of course. But like, if you have the opportunity to not do not work that way, I think it's better to write what you feel like you can write your best at or whatever the best story is you can tell to tell that rather than people love stories about butterflies. So let's write a story about a butterfly, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Well, yeah, here's, here's a piece of advice. It's never too late to have a new beginning. I mean, that just uh, sometimes people think, well, I wish I could have done what you did. I wish I you know, would have done something sooner, but now it's too late. No, it's not too late. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 88. It's never too late to have a new beginning. So if you get an idea, you know, nurture it, bring it to life, share it with the world. I'm sure you've got a message to share and an audience to serve. That's awesome. What a, what a great last piece of advice, Dan. Uh, so Big A, if you could only tell one last story ever, what would you want to ever go out on? What would your last story be, do you think? Well, the thing is, as I've said earlier, I'm a person of faith. And I always teach my children and my grandchildren to put their faith and confidence in Christ. First and foremost, that's the most important story I could ever tell them. But the second most, if you'll allow me to, is to develop a mindset to believe in yourself, to believe you can do it. Because I'm a total believer outside of physical limitations. There's nothing out there that you couldn't do if you set your mind to it. My mom had a saying, can't, couldn't do it, and could, did it all. She would not allow us to say the word can't. She'd say, you might not be able to do it, but you're going to try. Well, by pushing me through that upper limit challenge, it has built self-esteem and self-confidence, which gives me the ability to try other things. There's nothing out there that I want to attempt to do. I mean, it's, they're scary, right? And I get that. And a lot of people are fearful. They're afraid. And I teach people to not be afraid. Other people are not sitting around talking about your successes or failures. And I simply suggest that if you'll develop a mindset of I can do something and fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure, you're going to have huge success in your life. And shortly on the heels of that is a great amount of significance. So that's the story I would like to leave the audience tonight. Believe in yourself and fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. It's a beautiful thought to leave it on, Aaron. I appreciate it. Think about this. If you if you only had it in you to tell one last story, you only had the opportunity to tell one last story and you had to move on to something else. Hmm. What would that story be? What would it be about? What what does that look like for you? I would be so tempted to go a few different ways. But just to stay consistent with who I've become as a communicator. And, you know, we've been talking about questions. So I want to tell you where that started for me, Dan. Um, and, and this was one of the great moments of my life. And, um, and just thinking about telling the story, it, it, it just puts me back in that place. 
So I had been in Chile for three months and I was struggling with the language bad. I was struggling so bad that I thought that I needed to go to the ear doctor and see if my ears were, my hearing was okay because I just couldn't seem to understand the people very well. And I was struggling to, to, to really put my thoughts into Spanish well. And I was just, man, I was at wit's end. And at the time, I was with a Chilean companion. Okay. So usually when there's, there's always two missionaries pretty much. And I was, so I had a Chilean companion and, um, and he, and of course he spoke Spanish perfectly. Right. And we had scheduled a baptism. Now in this baptism was a unique situation because the, the person that was getting baptized she had invited her entire family to come to this baptism, which was really exciting for us as missionaries because we were like, oh, wow, not only are we going to have a baptism, but we have all these people that are going to be watching and maybe they're going to be interested in being taught as well when, when, as they're a part of this process. And so we had our hopes up really, really high for this baptism. And so in, in Chile, how it works is you get baptized in a font and the font's like a really big bathtub. And so, because it takes a while to fill it up, you got to fill it up about two hours before the baptismal service. And so the night of the baptism arrives and there's probably about a hundred people there. It's a huge ton of people from the church and a ton of non-members of this church. They come and they're there. And uh, I'm just so excited. We're excited. And so as soon as we go to the baptismal font to do that. You got to open up the doors to the font. So we get everybody around the baptismal font and then we open up the doors. And as soon as I open up the doors, my stomach, it just sinks because the font is empty. It's empty. Mm -hmm. Somehow somebody had pulled the plug on the font. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, it was like pure panic and shock. Now we had, there was a, a set of sister missionaries, myself and my companion. The two sister missionaries, female missionaries, they were from Chile. So they spoke Spanish. My companion who had been out as a missionary for over a year, he spoke Spanish and there was me, the dummy. And so everybody's panicking and all of a sudden my companion says, what are we going to do? And the weirdest thing, craziest thing, they all three looked at me at the same time. Almost like, Marcus, what are you going to do? And so I don't know what happened. I mean, I know what happened, but I said, okay. And I got everybody back into the chapel. And I said, everybody, we need a little bit of time to fill the font back up. And I asked a question to the audience. And so somebody started answering it. And then as that somebody started answering it, another person jumped in and started to have a conversation with that person. And then I asked another question on top of that. And then suddenly you had this powerful conversation, this teaching moment that was occurring between members of the church and non-members of the church. And it was this beautiful gospel discussion that was going on. And you could feel a weight. It was like a powerful just aura had settled in on the room, like a fireside moment. You know what I mean? And before I knew it, my companion was waving to me from the back of the room and the font was full. And it was literally like I had 
snap my fingers. <laughs> and the baptismal service went off beautifully. It was easily the most successful I'd ever had. And at the end of the night, the lady that I was staying with, we were staying with this couple, and of course she was Chilean. She said, Marcus, I've never heard you speak like that. You didn't just speak well tonight, but you dominated the language. I'll never forget she used the word dominated the language. And I realized it wasn't me at all. I just asked the right questions and I let the audience steal the show. And because they were the, they were the star, right? Then it made for what was an unforgettable, magical experience. And that's the moment when I realized that it's in questions that all the answers are found. And it's been the foundation of my communication since that time. So now here's your Barbara Walters question. Here's your moment. If you well, could tell I'm, one, if, we? Oh, all right. <laughs> if you could tell one last story, if you only had it in you or only were allowed to tell one last story, what story do you think that would be? Dan, it's going to be the story that I, that I got from yesterday's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, my last day on earth uh, will be uh, the story I tell will be what happened to me yesterday, because I think that in life, um, every single day is an experience and every single day is an encounter with, with people and situations. Uh, and, and I think that the last story I tell will be literally what happened yesterday when I walked into the McDonald's and the guy in front of me bought my meal or what happened at a traffic light when I leaned over and looked at the person next to me and somehow we laughed and smiled about something or whatever that story is going to be, it's going to be the thing that happened to me the day before. Um, I, I often joke that uh, the way I want to go is I want to be 103 and get you know shot in the back by a jealous husband jumping out of a woman's w- bedroom window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I stole that from somebody too. I just can't remember who, but yeah. you know, uh, but I, I, the point is, is that life is about living and, and your stories should be evolving every single day. And if you keep your eyes wide open, you're going to have a story from yesterday that you can tell today. A story from yesterday. You can tell today. I love that. Al. That's beautiful. If you only had the ability to tell one last story and then you were done being a storyteller, what would that one last story look like for you? I would be a, it would be a story about a journey of faith and uh, my love for my wife and my four kids. I think that's a relatively easy one. That's a story I would love to tell. Yeah. Maybe easy, but, but impactful. I mean, just knowing you and, and, and your wife and what you guys have done and I, I haven't met your kids, but I got to believe uh, the story of that and your faith would change lives as it already has. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I'm not sure it's an easy story to tell, but it's an easy answer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a big big topic, but if you ask me what's the one thing I would, you know, I would love to tell, I guess it would be that. I want to keep you in the hot seat for one more minute here. Um, If you could, if you were only allowed to tell one last story, what would you want to go out on? What would that last story be? Yeah, I struggled with this one too. um, well, and I, I guess I'd, I'd have to kind of cheat the question a little bit. Um, because sure. uh, it, it, it's not really one story, it's a series of stories, but I, by cheating, I'll, I would make it all one story, I guess. Um, but just prior, um, to, to starting 
work in the industry we talked about earlier, you know, some more to probably about 12 years ago we're talking now. Uh, my, my wife and I, well, my then girlfriend, now wife, um, did sort of a whirlwind nine week European backpack trip thing on like $3,000, um, which was, um, nowhere near the amount of money required for that trip, uh, <laughs> which we almost found out in a pretty, uh, a dramatic way. Um, but basically we were able to skip around Europe and thanks to the kindness of, uh, one Australian woman, three British friends, uh, uh, recently heartbroken Frenchman and his 1980 Ford camper van, um, and a handful of others. We were basically able to see uh, more parts of, of Europe than we thought was, was possible. And on, on next to no, no money every day. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of thinking on it from storytelling, perspective you were kind of condensed the whole trip down it's almost like a, a children's book kind of thing where they you meet all these crazy colorful characters that lead you on all these crazy paths you never thought or something like that and you know it it, it, it kind of felt like that now looking back on all of it you know i've, I've got a couple kids now and there's no way i'd let them do what my, uh, my wife and i did um and uh certainly would have made sure they had um some way to get access to money which we didn't have we didn't have cell phones, um, all that other fun stuff, which, which made the adventure, you know, what it was, I think not, not having, you know, reviews, online reviews to check on where we were going to go and, and get our single slice of pizza <laughs> for a split or something like that. But, um, yeah, that was, um, you know, it's, it's, it stretched us, um, uh, obviously financially, but, um, you know, emotionally and, and creatively in our, uh, sense of adventure and things like that, all, all those different you know, every, every little uh, emotion and, and, um, sense was kind of, um, on edge and heightened during that whole trip, just cause there was so much, so much happening all around us and so many decisions you had to make all the time without knowing the language. And, and just the, I mean, the series of events that happened during that nine week trip was probably the most, uh, intense, crazy, rewarding time. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty hard to describe all of them. But anyway, that would be the story that I just bounce around and tell it as best I could, hitting a couple of the highlights and just making it into one sort of meandering story that eventually ends, ends happily. Yeah. <laughs> so. And they lived happily ever after. I love that's a That's a great story. I, I hope you tell that story someday because that'd be a great memoir or something, you know, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of, I mean, the people that we bumped into them and the, the manner in which we bumped into them, it was almost when we were kind of right at that, that edge of losing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Our, our, our whirlwind trip is, is crashing and burning. And it was like, right when you got almost to that point, you know, this, this, this chubby British guy comes walking out from behind a tree and says, you guys need somewhere to sleep. And then <laughs> that sounds a lot worse <laughs> than it is. He ran the campground and then he gave us this, uh, this room in the uh, base of the Swiss Alps for a week for, for nothing. Oh, wow. Pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. All kinds of goofy stuff like that. All right. So Danielle, here's, here's the, the final kind of big question. I want to, I love asking everybody and see what, what happens. Yeah. If you had the ability to only tell one last story, what story would that be? Oh gosh. So tough. Do people have answers to this? So far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. And it depends. You know, sometimes it's something very philosophical. Sometimes it's literally just the next story. I mean, it just, yeah, it could be, you know, 
And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you write. I mean, if you have a story that you love, if that was the only last story that you could tell, you know, it's just kind of whatever moves your heart. I mean, yeah, it's a tough one. I know. <laughs> wow. Um, I think, you know, if I had one more story to tell, it would probably be something about perseverance, particularly in situations where you don't belong. Every amazing thing that's happened to me, especially in my career, has happened by asking for forgiveness, not permission. Putting myself in a situation where I had no business being and taking on way more than I should have uh, without anyone's permission. And it always paid off for me tenfold. Um, so, So something like that. That's been the big lesson for me. Inspirational and encouraging. Very, I, I, That's fantastic, Daniel. So Tammy, I, I've got your, your Barbara Walters moment kind of thing here. The big, the big heavy question um, that seems to kind of get everybody. And, and for you, this might be even more difficult because you're just starting your storytelling, it sounds like. Um, but if you had the opportunity to tell one last story and no more, what story would that be? One last story. I think, are you talking about from a personal perspective or just anything? However, however you think of it, you know, whether it's, you know, telling Daniel's story just so that it's told one more time or whether it's something in the future. I mean, it could be, could be anything. I just, I like that idea of, okay, if I can only tell one, what would it be? Whatever that looks like to you. Okay. Well, I would probably tell people about the most impactful thing in my life, which is when uh, Jesus came into my world. And um, I was raised in church and raised in a wonderful Christian family. Um, I was Catholic at the time uh, growing up. But when I was a teenager, I learned about the plan of salvation that the Bible talks about, about Jesus dying for our sins, and um, that all we have to do is is say it with our mouth and believe it in our heart that Jesus is Lord and and we are saved is what the Bible says, um, which just means that we were set free. We, we, we can walk in freedom and we don't have to um, worry about um, an eternity that's, that's, you know, hopeless or, or doubtful or whatever. Um, that day changed my life and that's what I would love to tell most people or all people about really. Um, is the hope that we have in Christ for our future, for our freedom, um, and 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 just how wonderful life is with Him, no matter what happens, no matter what tragedy befalls you. Um, life with Jesus is amazing. Jen Lutweiler, I want to I want to ask you this this big tough final question that oh, you know that that sixty minutes question, right? <laughs> um, yeah. If if you could only tell one last story, if that was the only, the last story you could tell, what would that look like? Mm, that is such a good story. I, I I would tell the story of my family, and I would, and the reason why is because not because I think we're extraordinary. I mean, we are, but <laughs> not, uh, not we're not um, not because I think we have an an unusual existence, but because at the core of it, that's 
that's where I am and that's who I am. I am a wife and a mom and I'm a daughter and I'm a sister and those roles have shaped me and shaped my kids and will shape their kids. And that story is an epic that we're still writing. That's super cheesy. No, no, that I, <laughs> I've, I've been accused by uh, a couple of listeners of saying, I love it too much. So I didn't, I was trying to choose what words to say. Cause I, I love that. <laughs> I loved how you said that it's an epic. We're still writing. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. Good stuff. And, you know, I think about it in terms of like, it's messy and it's chaotic (laughs) and it's bananas. And we're all just trying to figure out what the heck is going on most of the time. But that's, that's my love. That's my story. If you could tell just one last story, what would it, what would that look like for you? Hmm. Well, you took away my answer earlier. I was going to tell the story of the guy on the park bench. Oh, man. Maybe I'll come up with another story. So um, it, it would be foot in the door. Foot in the door would be my story. That's pretty much how I've lived my life. And I think a lot of times, um, a lot of times we don't do things because they can't look exactly like we want them to look. So I went to college, you know, I grew up with nothing. Um, didn't have food a lot of times, lived in um, poor conditions. But um, I always knew I wanted to go to college because I knew I wanted to break that cycle and I wanted something different for my life. And so I, I did. I, I didn't know how it happened. I didn't know where the money came from, but I, I did go off to college. And as an adult, you know, after the first year, of college, I had to work and pay for everything myself. And, and, but as an adult, I found out that there was a community member that had paid for my entire first year of college. He didn't know me, knew my dad. I, I never knew this until I was an adult. And so my story would be, it didn't look exactly like I thought it would look going to college. He gave me that foot in the door. We have no idea the impact we can have on the life of another human being with just a small action. Um, think if I didn't have that foot in the door, I would not have gone to college. You know, it, it, when I did or whatever. Think of all the students who passed through my classroom. Think of all the people that were impacted by, you know, what I had to offer at the time. Um, that would not have looked like it did if that one man hadn't stepped in when he did and given me that foot in the door. We can help other people on their journeys and help them with their stories. Foot in the door. I like that. That's pretty, pretty powerful, Tim. I like that. I like to, to wrap up with kind of that, you know, 60 minutes, big question, you know, Barbara Walters, whatever kind of famous <laughs> interviews, yeah. which I'm not. Um, but that kind of, that kind of philosophical thing. If, mm-hmm. if you had the opportunity to only tell, one more story and you could no longer be a storyteller by trade. What would that story look like? What would that be? What would that, what would that feel like for you? Hmm. Um, well, I feel like I'm writing that right now. I feel like, um, and this was something I picked up from John Steinbeck's. Uh, he has a, a book called journal of a novel, which basically where he does what inspired me. Uh, he would journal 
on one, one side of the notebook. And then on the other side of the notebook, he would write a page for East of Eden. And that was how he made his way through that book. Um, on the left, it was a journal entry and, and it was usually written to his editor. Uh, and then on the right hand side was, was the story. And something that he writes in there is that uh, he is, when he's writing East of Eden, he's approaching it as if it's his last book. Uh, and that was really inspiring to me to think about, okay, what, what am I bringing into this story? And so uh, you ask what, you know, what it would be about or, or what I would bring into it. I think for me, it's, um, it's a wrestling with the presence and absence of God. It's, it's um, I, I just actually tweeted today that I had written a scene in the book where the main character as a boy is sitting in a dark living room with his hungover father and trying to have a conversation with him that's just not happening. And as I finished the scene, and I hadn't thought about this at all when I was going into the scene, but as I finished writing it, I realized this was a perfect metaphor for me trying to figure out where is God in so many areas of my life or the world. Um, and why is, you know, why is it so dark and why is it so quiet and why are we not connecting? Um, so for me, I think that that is, um, that's what I would write. It would be a story wrestling with that presence and absence and, uh, you know, feeling like there have been times in my life where God was very evident and my belief in him was, um, was very tangible moving to other times in my life where I can't say those things were necessarily true. So. All right. So I, like I said earlier, I could geek out on, on this for hours, but I won't do that to, to you or our <laughs> listeners. Um, so I want to, I want to wrap it up with, with my, my favorite final question. Uh, I love to hear people's answers to this and I love, uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear yours. Um, if you could only tell one more story as a storyteller, what would that be? Hmm. Specific one or type of content. I would tell a story. Uh, I would tell a story about music, art, and love. Cause I, because I just think that's the most beautiful thing. So it, it would, it would probably be, uh, it would probably be about my family. Music and, and love and family. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a kind of, yeah. It, it, and then I love the answers so far out of, out of both my seasons. It's been, you know, something specific or something like that. That's just a beautiful idea or it's, I just, I love that idea of what, cause to me it gets down to what's important to you. Yeah. Right. So, and that changes cool. too. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. two years ago, I would have told the, probably would have told you a story about entrepreneurship and valor. And, and 10 years ago, I probably would have told you about the coolest, you know, club I ever played or, you know, the biggest audience or the coolest musicians that I played with. And, yeah. and, and, but now full circle for me right now is, is it's all about family love and, and, and how, how the art plays into that. Yeah. I just think it's beautiful. That's awesome. Derek. I appreciate that. If you could tell one last story, and that was the last story you could tell. What would that look like for you? What would it be about? Hmm. Well, maybe I'd tell a no barrier story of this guy. His name's Cole Rogers. Um, Cole was born with a pretty rare, oh, extremely rare disease. He can't really move too well. And um, he got the courage to come on a no barriers program with us. And we were going to climb a mountain and we looked for the right technology we found this really great organization they make this 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 
vehicle. It's called an action track chair. And it's like a tank. It's literally got tank rollers and it just plows its way up mountains. It's an electric motor. And um, so we got him on this action tracker. He was able to kind of steer his way up the mountain. We were all pushing and pulling and trying to get him through the steep spots. And then um, maybe a couple hundred yards from the top of the mountain, the action track chair died. You know, the motor gave out. Uh, and that happens with technology. So we're like, okay, what are we going to do? And one of the guys, strong guys on the team said, I'll just carry you to the top. And this kid said, uh, no, I don't want to be carried to the top. He goes, I'm let me crawl. Let me, I can do this on my own. So we're like, cool. So he gets out of his action track chair and he can, you know, he can't move that well. He can just kind of move his arms a little bit. And he kind of like wriggled and dragged his way to the summit. It probably took him an hour. And we all kind of just walked along beside him. And, you know, he left a trail of blood and some skin on that tundra. But he, he got to the top. He pulled himself to the very top rock of the summit. And everyone was crying. Everyone was cheering. And I thought, you know, that's what America, that's what the world needs to see. That's the kind of story that will, you know, give us sort of the, the energy to move forward in, in amazing ways. Um, we just need more of that. I mean, everyone needs more of that in their lives. That's a beautiful last story about Cole. That's, I can, I can feel it. I can hear the passion. I can, I can almost feel yeah. <clears throat> being there. So thank I you cry when that. I tell that story because yeah. this kid Cole has now gone on to start this organization. He teaches self-defense to other people with disabilities because he says that, you know, people with disabilities are like victims to crime and things like that because they can't really defend themselves as well. So he teaches uh, self-defense classes and uh, he's going on to do amazing things with his organization. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, No Barriers was a bit of a kickstart for him. If you could only tell one more story or share one last story, uh, what would that story be? Gosh, that is a hard one because I, uh, you know, it, as, as a faithful guy and a, a Jesus follower, that story is, is profound. It's the one that I can't deny. I had somebody recently ask me, come on, really the whole Jesus thing. I said, man, I, I just, I know all the, I know all the, the, the hard spots in there, but uh, I just can't deny uh, the, the, to, for me, the reality of Jesus Christ. So that it's hard not to say that, but you know, in this context, what I, well, here, true story. All right. I sent to my kids, my older kids, I've got a bunch of kids uh, and I sent to my older kids not long ago. And it really came off the Ziegler quote of uh, you are where you are and, and who you are because of what's been put in your mind. You can change who you are and where you are by what you put in your mind. And, and I sent that authentically to them. I said, if I, you know, if I'm dying tomorrow, I want you guys to know that that is a truth. You are the sum parts of your daily habits and you can change it. And it wasn't, I was trying really hard not to be, um, you, you know, not to discount where they were at today. It wasn't that. So all of you, you know, you need to get better tomorrow. It, it, it wasn't that, but it was to realize where you are today. If there's any dissatisfaction, you can change it, not discounting it or minimizing where you're at, but you can change it. And, and in all truth, Dan, it has been a journey. You know, I've been doing, I, when I was podcasting and I've been leading audiences for, oh my gosh, uh, I'd have to do the math, a long time, let's say 20 years um, that I've been pretty involved in that. 
But in truth, I feel like the last couple years in interviewing people and me getting more intentional in really digging into their stories and digging into their message. And I keep pointing to my side over here because I have my bookshelf. It's kind of like my own little hall of fame of it's all the people, uh, the majority that I've interviewed. And I love it. I can go through and tell you the things that stuck out. And there are so many nuggets that I've gotten from interviewing people that have stuck into me. And I used to think, okay, I've got to take it. I've got to plaster it on my forehead. I've got to get a tattoo. I've got to make sure that I take action on that. And I do believe in that. But there's also, I feel like there's some osmosis happening here. And I just realized my mind is changing. You know, my day, my morning devotions and my partaking every week of these incredible messages, it just flat out changes you. And it's, it blows me away that, yeah, I think in that sense, I feel less arrived than ever that it's just like this whole new horizon and not that you're, I mean, I still have inherent parts of me, but it's, I'm blown away by how malleable my brain is. My wife is involved heavily. She's getting her doctorate. She's involved in cognitive research and we're looking at things, you know, brain plasticity, which is a word that I've never heard of. Uh, you know, we got one side in the culture, brain fog that didn't used to, there was a term that didn't exist. We have it more and more now. Like we have every, you know, uh, increase in chronic illness and disease in America, but over here, brain plasticity, and we can change it. We can turn around Alzheimer's to a great degree. We're involved in a national study doing that right now, but to see that, that me, how I think about myself, what I believe, and then therefore what actions I take on is a malleable thing. And I can get up every day and work it out just like I work out my body to you know, lose weight or to gain muscle. We all understand that one. But to say our brains are that way and how our, what our self-image is, what our beliefs, our foundational faiths are, can change. And from that, our actions will take and that will change and then our, our, our results will. And this is what Zig Ziglar you know, based his life on. But we're just seeing the scientific results of that. And that one is, you know, even going back to faith, there's a lot of people sitting in the church pews that need that message more than they need the message of Christ because they can't even accept it now. They can't even mm -hmm. accept it for themselves. We got to go back and deal with their personal self-image to get them to even accept this aspect of faith. So to some degree, man, that's the one that I am blown away with is the ability to change our thinking, change our actions, change our results. And, you know, it's, can, you, can you do anything? And, uh, you know, Zig's quote was, well, you can't do anything, but you know, positive thinking will help you do everything better. I think this, just the reality of getting out on the table that we can, we can change. We can change. We can change. I don't know if I say everything, man, a dramatic amount by changing what we put in our minds and what we feed on. Garbage in, garbage out. <clears throat> uh, a gold mine there, Kevin, of of faith and science together of you don't have to be where you are. You can change it. That was an incredible last story. So I want that testimony, man. Will you give that to me? He's a gold mine of faith and science that will get me into every door possible or, or actually have them all shut. I'm not sure. <laughs> I will. I will absolutely give you that testimonial. <laughs> uh, so you talked about continuing to tell stories, but if for some reason you could no longer tell any more stories, Mm -hmm. This is, this is the one that hooks them right here. What would that story, what would that last story look like for you? Oh man. Last story would be the first story because it's how it all started for me. Mm -hmm. um, our older daughter was about three or four years old and I was sitting in my recliner. This is back in the days when, you know, you actually held a newspaper in your hand. <laughs> and uh, so I was sitting in my, my recliner and I'm sure I was looking at something really important, like 
stock reports, baseball box scores, you know, something really important, life-changing, rearranging. So I'm sitting there, I got my paper up and daughter walks up on the other side of the paper and she says, daddy, I want to tell you something. And I said, didn't put the paper down. Okay. Turn the page. And I couldn't see her, but I just imagine her with her hands on her hips, right? <laughs> Mom taught her well. Uh, daddy, I want to tell you something. And I was like, I said, go ahead. Well, unbeknownst to me, she took her little hand, took a step closer, reached back and smashed my newspaper. Well, you know the effect that has on dogs, right? I mean, it, it doesn't hurt them, but it immediately gets their attention. It works on dads too, right? <laughs> So it, it was like when my newspaper got smashed, it propelled me. I, I put the recliner feet down and I found myself this close to her, you know, nose to nose, eye to eye. And she said to me, this three-year-old, daddy, I want you to listen to me with your eyes. Hmm. And that's what literally propelled me on the journey where I find myself today. I'm listening with my eyes, man. And you can too. If you could tell one last story, that was the only story you could tell them you had to be done telling stories. What would that be? Oh, that is a good question. Um, if I could only tell one story. Uh, you know, I think that story I told in my TEDx talk would definitely be one of them um you know i think my relationship is one of the things i'm proudest of so maybe not that story but some story from from our past um uh yeah they all the other stories are deeply embarrassing <laughs> um, uh, i'm trying to trying to think um there's a couple that really embarrass my brother i tell those just to to, to kind of get my own back on him <laughs> Um, but yeah. yeah, I think, I think perhaps that one from, from the TEDx talk is my personal, personal favorite one to tell. That's a great story. So the listeners need to go watch the TEDx talk and hear, I love how you build it. Uh, just the whole thing was really, really sweet. So yeah, that's cool. Good. Yeah. There's well, a longer version with more details Dan. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the TED people made me cut it. Like there's, there's oh. a longer bar version that we should probably get out there. Well, and if not get out there, then I'll have to come to Oakland or San Francisco and hear it uh, at a Absolutely. bar with you. That'd be awesome. Time. If you could only tell one last story and be done storytelling, what would that story be? One last story. Uh, probably. So do you want me to actually tell the story? Whatever, however you want it. The floor is yours, man. If you just want to say it and be done or tell it, I'd love to yeah. hear it. I, I can, I can condense it down. I was, it was, I just remember it was March 26th. I should know the year, but I don't. Um, I'm dropping off my girlfriend who lived, uh, in a not so great neighborhood and a young man outside, uh, standing outside my, uh, what would be the, the passenger fender, uh, advised that I should get out of the car. And I said, uh, I'm not getting out of the car. This is back when carjacking was first coming on. And uh, I said, no, no, man, I'm good. It's cool. And uh, he said, no, man, I really think you should get out of the car. And I looked at her and said, uh, I'm not getting out of the car. And you're not getting out of the car. And so I had to back up and then pull out of the driveway. So I kind of do a, a T. You can kind of think of that like an upside down T. And I backed up and he pulled out a gun and shot it at my driver's side window. 
and it bounced off the window and went into the door. And I did not believe it. I, I thought he threw a brick or something at my car because I remember hearing a thud and I swear I heard glass shatter, but none did. Uh, I am going, I'm, I'm getting out of Dodge like nobody's business. I'm running stoplights, I'm running red lights and I get into a, a little better part of town where I actually worked as a waiter because there was always a, uh, a policeman in the, the, the parking lot. And sure enough, there was. And so I pull up next to him and he's like, hey, can you roll your, your window down a second and or your window up? Because I roll it down to say, hey, can you look at my car? He says, roll your window back up. And he said, yeah, you have a, you have a bullet hole in your door. It looks like it bounced off the window and went the door. And so I say that to people just to say, uh, that's kind of, that slightly turned me into a workaholic a little bit because I just realized that your number can get called anytime. And so, you know, be careful with, uh, I mean, you just went through a couple different funerals and such mm -hmm. that that'll give you some perspective. And so that's probably one of the ones that people, if I tell that story, they're like, dang. So uh, that's, that's probably the one. And I just say that to people like, look, you know, I, there's a, I saw a really cool shirt and it had the word family and then a line. And then the word underneath the line said everything. And at first I was like, what? And then it's, you look at it and you're like, oh, I get it. Family over everything. And I'm like, mm -hmm. ah, that's cool. So that's kind of my message of that uh, particular story. Yeah. But I want to know if you could tell only one last story and you can no longer tell stories, what would that story be? Or what would that look like? What would that feel like for you? What would it be and what would it feel like are two totally different questions. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of one of those things like it's, it's a big question of what would that story be? And some people have answered, well, it, it might be a generic way to tell a story. It might be this, it might be a particular story. So I try to keep it kind of generic just to see what you feel or what. What do you want to know? Like. I don't want generic. You already, you already know that about me. All right, Hit me I with something specific. What do you, what do you really want to know? What would, your box. what would your last story be? You can no longer tell stories. What would that last story be? Uh, probably my conversion story of yeah. who I was and how I found God. And I know not all the, not all the listeners out there um, might have a faith background, um, but it's something that if I can only tell one more story, like I'm going to make a count and it's going to be that conversion story. And my, my hope would be that it would inspire others. Um, is kind of what it comes down to. I mean, it's uh, to me, I guess it's pretty, pretty simple. Like, I don't, I don't know any other story that's worthy to tell. It'd be something, something to do with that. I mean, clearly like there's my, my family is a, just a ginormous piece of my life and, mm -hmm. and all these different things that I'm sure I could get good stuff out of. And they're kind of part of it anyways, but definitely, definitely just my journey, my journey of where I was and how I got to where I am now, I think mm. would probably be the most powerful thing. Which is very powerful. I mean, whether, whether you, whatever your faith is, whatever that is, that, that story of hope and faith would be a great, a great last story. So that was, mm -hmm. that was good. If, if you could only tell one last story and then you were done being a, a storyteller, as it were, what would that story be? What would it look like? Um, my grandmother I talked about, I talk a lot about this. My grandmother changed my life back in the days when I was a kid. She was the one that bought me an Atari 2600. She's not a gamer at all. She doesn't know anything about the video games, right? But she bought something not knowing that that was going to change my life. And by her buying me my first video game console, 
the Atari 2600, there would have been no me meeting Bill Gates or me doing Gamer Tag Radio or getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, attending all these events, going to E3, going to the studio. All this goes back because of what my grandmother did. She decided to buy that console for me. And, you know, thanks to her, man, she, she was the one that changed my life, man, because of just that. You know, so that's why I always say, man, you never know the people that you're going to change, the, the stuff that you put up, like as a content creator, you never know, you know, you never know who's listening to your show. We get emails all the time from people that they're stressed out. They probably going through some rough time in their life and they listen to our podcast and they feel like they're part of the conversation. They feel like they're, they're, they're hanging out with us. Yeah. So that, I think, I think that's important, man. I, that's super important to me, um, just my family and, and, and the people that we've changed throughout, throughout the years, man, with like their lives throughout the years. Changing lives so. one life at a time, time right? Yep. That's yep. cool. That's cool yeah. about your grandma, man. That's, that's, uh, that's, it's cool to keep her legacy going, you know, and, yep. and yeah, that's awesome. Beautiful. If somebody said to you in some way, I don't know how this would even work, I know you, you would stop, but you can only tell one more story. This is your last story you can tell. What would that look like to you? What would that be? Well, that's, that's one of those big questions of what would you want that to be? Um, I guess, I, once again, not, not the story of what I would say, but what other, other people would say. Um, I don't know that I, I'd want to tell my story. Um, I hope it's, the story is a whole lot longer <laughs> than the story I tell right now. Um, but the story I would tell is, uh, of my life, you know, that here's a kid that grew up in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, 60 miles outside of Chicago, um, was never more than 100 miles away from his home mm. by the time he was 17 years old. And by mm. the grace of God and a clerical error, <laughs> I'll put the two of those together, uh, got the U.S. taxpayers <clears throat> to pay for his education within a year, went around the world and uh, just had an amazing life. You know, got to meet amazing people and uh um you know the richness of your life is the richness of your relationships and uh so with that i you know the stories that i would tell is the stories of people that that i got to meet the stories of the people uh that i got to learn from um you know that uh my bride you know that uh that i got to meet her and uh she is proof that god loves me and wants me to be happy <laughs> i have no idea what it means with her uh, relationship with the almighty uh so I, I don't know if it's just just one story there it's uh to me that's like i said with the legacy there um, somebody asked me on a podcast what do you want chiseled on your on your tombstone and i'm like i think that's the most vain question to answer i don't care you know i'm dead uh, if I've got to chisel something into a piece of granite mm -hmm. to prove that I was alive, then I wasn't alive. Right. So to me, uh, the last story I want to tell is I want to, I want to shut up and listen to what other people tell the stories and, you know, don't let the uh, truth get in the way of a good story. So if you want to embellish that story about me <laughs> a little bit, that's fine. I'll have to do that. I want to ask the big question now. This is uh it's been a great conversation, Douglas. Before you ask it, those charges were dropped. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this has been a great conversation, Douglas. I, I love it. Great inspiration. A lot of good, a lot of good nuggets in here for storytellers. 
but I want to know what scares you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's not the big question. What scares uh, me? Yeah. <laughs> Civil War reenactors. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Um, no, but, but I, what I do want to know, though, if, if you could only tell one last story, what would that story be, do you think? Um, if I could only tell one last story. Oh, probably a story to my kids that might encourage them to, uh, um, you know, not be afraid to try things and that everything's going to be okay. I think that shows a lot about you. I think that, that right there brings it back to your, your family, what's important to you and, and encouraging others. So that's a, that's a cool way to end that. Yeah, that's good. How did, how did I do? Okay. That was awesome. I love it. Yeah. Or did you want me to actually tell a story? No, no, not at all. No, it's okay. I, I leave that question wide open just to see what happens. So I, I like, I like how you, uh, how you phrase, how you phrase that. So, uh. so if, if you were, so you consider yourself a storyteller and you, and you, mm-hmm. and you take in stories and everything else, but if you could only share one last story and be done being called a storyteller and, and had to do something different, what would that story be? Do you think? Well, um, selfishly, but I think, the only the only story would be to um, share what my experience has been, and in hope that at least one person could, you know, benefit and learn from my mistakes, my failures, my life, um, or or learn from my successes. Maybe something that I do resonates with them or gives them an idea or something to that effect. And maybe somewhere I struggled and tripped up along the way or even fell backwards. Um, maybe they're going through that or maybe they're about to make a decision, you know, to where they don't want to do that. So my story would probably be kind of resharing what my life has been like and what my experience has been, because that's what I know best. And that kind of a, a memoir type story, like you said, can help somebody else. Hopefully if you can just help one person, you've done something great, right? I'll tell you, um, there's, um, and I'm showing you this book here. This book is kind of it doesn't make any sense. It's called the thank you book. Mm. Um, but a listener of the show sent this to me and he, he put a little note in there and uh, it's, it's right here. I, I won't read it, but there's a little handwritten note in here. And he, he, he one of the, the title of the book is called the thank you book. And he goes, I don't really know what's in this book. I didn't read it, but I just wanted to let you know, thank you for doing what you do. And it's kind of a goofy little way of saying it, but you know, Thank you for sharing what you share. And I was like, holy cow, someone took the time to figure out where I lived, <laughs> mail me this <laughs> random book that is all about, you know, different ways to say, uh, squirrels, piggy, thank you for your great ideas, you know, just weird <laughs> random stuff. And uh, it's, it's just all about thank yous in there. And it was neat for that. And, and that's one person, right? But from based on something that I created out of nothing, I was able to uh, establish a platform where someone could listen to storytelling and, and, and improve their lives or improve their position in life or just whatever. For them to take that moment, and you know how precious time is for all of us, mm-hmm. to go out, go to the bookstore, purchase the book, package it up, handwrite a note, handwrite a note, stick that in there and send it off. That to me was like, wow, you know, pretty cool. And that's happened several times. Mm. It's just, it's just exciting. That's awesome. All right. So 
you told a great story, and you're talking about great storytellers, but I want to know if you had the, the opportunity to tell only one more story, and you can't tell stories anymore, you can't consider yourself a storyteller anymore, what would that story be, or be about, or what would that look like for you? I don't know. You don't want me to tell any more stories? No, I want you to. <laughs> but if, you know, Wendy said, look, I've written a law that you can't, no, I no, what would you know, if that was if it was your last, whether it was your last day on earth, whether it was okay, I can't do this anymore because it was outlawed, we would still do it. I know that we were both of that mindset. Yeah. But I just like the idea of if I can only tell one more, what would that what would that be? Whatever that means to you. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know. Um, I don't know what that last story would be. I I have stories right now that I'm I'm working on, but they're not like I wouldn't want them to be my last story for sure because they're not. <laughs> good enough for them for me to be like this is the last one um I don't know honestly it would probably be I would want to tell my grandma's story or um oh my mom's gonna be so mad because her story is great too but my mom's best friend <laughs> um uh it, pretty incredible story there also yeah and what's her name Carmen <laughs> I, love, I love Carmen I miss I miss Carmen <laughs> Carmen and your grandma both. You, you are surrounded by some amazing women, yeah. past and present. Your, your mom is amazing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say that because she probably won't listen to this because she's just too busy. <laughs> she's the busiest retired person I know. If you had it in you, you're obviously a storyteller, and, and, you, and you talk story uh, on the island, as you said earlier. I, I love the whole idea of just talking story. But if you only could tell one last story, what would that be for you? Oh my goodness. I mean, it would just be something about living your life. Just, just live your life. And and the multiple examples uh, that I could share both from the podcast and personal conversations that I've had in my own personal experience, just live your life, live today. Don't, it's always, I'm going to wait till the kids are out of school to take that, you know, vacation. I'm going to wait till we have this much in the bank. I'm going to wait till the, wait till the tomorrow, you know, someday is not a day on the calendar put the date that you want to do stuff on the calendar. It's don't ask me how it works. It just, it works itself out, man. Um, you just got to be intentional about it, but uh, just live your life and live it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't, it's not guaranteed. So I want to know, it's my, my, my big Barbara Walters moment in broadcast. The big question, what, what scares you or whatever the question is, right? Mine is this, if you can only tell one last story, and you couldn't tell any more stories. What would that be? What would that look like for you? What would that, how would you go out, Steph? Oh, man. That is, I hate that question. I hate, <laughs> You're welcome. I hate, you hate his favorite I question. I hate his favorite question. <laughs> well, it's because, and this kind of goes back to, I didn't, I didn't answer the last question, but this question ties into that, the making it. Mm-hmm. I have, in my life, never been tied to, I don't know what making it is, because I'm not wired like that. What does it mean to make it? Um my if i only had one to- story to tell again does it really only have to be one can it really only be see one see what she's doing i don't know see this is the on the side she's this is the, the sally and me. Your this is the on <laughs> so, the side this is the on the she's side she's ordering off the menu but here it doing. all ties together she's ordering in a way that the chef didn't, didn't even, even know, know how good it could be yeah. it's true here's the thing i made it the day i had my children yeah. that was my making it i was meant to be a mom Literally. that I was meant to be a mom. My, if I, if there were only two stories, cause I have two kids that <laughs> I could, that I could tell it would be 
to sit each of them down and tell them how I felt the day they were born. That would be my story because I've never felt like that. Uh, and not just how I felt, how their dad and I felt. Because yeah. none of that would be, I wouldn't be where I am or who I am without him. But haven't you told them that story? Um, I don't. I don't know, you but sat it, him down it doesn't, said, he didn't say it now. had to be a story I'd never told. I know. I'm just saying. I, I'm, I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I don't know if I, I, I feel like it might freak my children out oh. if I, if I told them how very much I, my world revolved really? around them. Uh, yeah. You can wait. And wait. how powerful it was for me when I was, when they were born. And it'll mean more to them if you tell them later. Yeah. Because they'll understand more. I'll get the eye roll right now. Right. Yeah, you'll mom, get the you eye roll. Us. What's for dinner? We get it. Right. I agree. It hurt. Got it. Like you know. Are you dying? And I know dad? that's it's anticlimactic. That's not a very compelling that's not story, but that is that no, is because I can understand that, that. is. That's, I mean, it's well, you put a lump in my throat. I mean, that's a that's a story that you would want to. I mean, it's I, the most is. powerful thing. I love it. It also, I think, is why my blog, why I got such joy out of it, because it was. My, I mean, you know, my kids are, they inspire me every day in different ways, and I know I don't show it every day because I can be a <laughs> raging <laughs> lunatic mother, and I understand that. <laughs> but they, but they really are what motivates much of what. <clears throat> We do. And I. there are people that say, oh, your kids shouldn't be the center of your world. And they're not. The, I am my own person. I mean, you guys know me. I'm not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am my own person. Right, but are. they. But they inspire me to be better. Yeah. Oh, that's a great last story. Diane, how about you? What would your last story be, do you think? <clears throat> a lot of it has to do with. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Good. Of course you are. Good. Here we go. Now we're on Barbara Walters. Or Oprah. Here we go. So what Steph said, um, my kids have been so along the same lines. Um, so life didn't really turn out how I all, you know, people say to me, oh, you're a singer. Or you were on the air. But all I ever really wanted to be was a wife and a mom. And that didn't really turn out exactly how I thought it was going to but my kids were like the three musketeers and we've overcome a lot of the 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 sadness or the things that have happened in our lives and um and they inspire me every day and so the greatest, I think what I used to, I think what I used to think was the most important thing. Um, I had such dreams, you know, but really it's that love. It's really all about love and the love that you give each other and, and the love that you take and please don't think that I'm quoting the Beatles <laughs> but it's uh, but it's true when it comes right down to it um, yeah and to me that means that you've made it yeah gosh that's I mean that's a great 
place to be at home. Yeah. I mean, I could say more, but I just don't want to get into a, a sob fest. And, no, but was... it's been really, it's been quite a journey. And that's a great last story to tell, especially to your kids. All right, Scott. Uh, will be your last story? I'll go a different direction. Um, <clears throat> I think if I was going to tell one story, I enjoy telling the story how I met my wife. Because when people, you know, people are around the dinner table or at the bar, and how'd you guys meet? People that don't know. A lot of your close friends know, but there's always one or two people. So I always like to look at her to see if I get the okay. (laughs) 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 And then she's like, which version are you going to tell? (laughs) So I would probably tell that story because I get a kick out of it. And the main reason I get a kick out of it is because when we first met, she did not like me at all. And that's the fun of the story. Right. That's awesome. Because <laughs> I turned her. <laughs> somehow. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. So, yeah. That's so, cool. you know, she thought I was a dick. And then uh, a week later, uh, it turned out to be okay. <laughs> but I knew I was in love with her in like two seconds. So That's beautiful. <laughs> I had to work awesome. for it. <laughs> we, all, we all do. <laughs> I wear this ring that I got uh, a couple of years ago. It's it's really powerful to me. It says, own your journey. Hmm. And I still feel like all of us, um, maybe back in the day, our parents or their parents, you know, our grandparents felt like after they had done, you know, had the kids, bought the house, you know, maybe they felt like their story had been written. But I don't feel that way. I feel like I have more story in me. I still feel like my journey still has yet to unfold, you know, and I feel that about all of us. We still have so much more to write, you know. Totally stoked about the time you spent with me, Jordan. I got one last question for you and then I'll I'll let you get on your way. Um, I want to know that if you only had it in you uh, or only had the ability or only had the chance to tell one last story, what would that story look like, sound like, be like, what, what might that last story be for Jordan Harbinger? I don't know. I mean, I really do look at all of the shows that I release on the Jordan Harbinger show as this legacy that's going to be around after I'm gone, probably deluding myself. Nobody will care about podcasts and like, 60 years, but I do think about this a lot. You know, I think about how I'm leaving a mark on the world. So I don't have one thing left. And I think that's why I podcast in the, in the first place is because I'm able to sort of get all of this stuff out of my system and out of other people. And that's sort of the collaborative effort that I'm really focused on. Cool. That's good to know. This is, this is my favorite thing to ask. And I, and, I, and I don't know what my answer would be, so I hope you have one. Good luck. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you were told all of a sudden you can only tell one last story and you're done being a storyteller, what would that story be for you? Um, I struggle with this question too. Um, it's so final. I think the... Um, I think the story that I would end with would be the story of the last thing that really was an aha for me, whatever that is. Cause if it's something that hit me that hard that it, you know, really made a difference to me, I know it could be powerful and, 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 and helpful to somebody else. Your, your most recent aha. I like that. Hey, thank you for listening to the storytellers network podcast. It's been quite a journey this year and it's not over the next episode 
Last Stories Part 2 picks up right where we left off in Season 2. We're going to start with Season 3 and end with Season 4. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having the stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.